0: Good afternoon, I hope you guys have been having a wonderful Halloween week I know I have, and it is the last week of Halloween I can't believe it's come and gone so fast It's just yesterday that I was watching my first horror movie And thinking to myself, oh my god, it's October But anyway, I know many of you are sad Me, I am sad too But then again, we have Thanksgiving coming up And I can't wait to taste that ham Turkey, mac and cheese Some gravy with mashed potatoes And whatever holiday traditions you guys have at your place. But for today's episode, as it is the last Sunday of October, I'm going to be giving my opinion on the movie Five Nights at Freddy's. Now, fair warning, this is going to be a spoiler review. So if you have not seen the movie, please skip because I don't want to hear any whining, complaining that I did not warn you guys. Again, I'm repeating, this is going to be a spoiler review. Now, if you don't care, sit back and enjoy and let me tell you about this movie now for starters i really didn't play most of the games from five nights at freddy's i really only played the first one which i died multiple times which was to my frustration so i wasn't really familiar with the other type of lore that was different from the first game from what i knew i knew that uh, five nights at freddy's takes place at freddy fazbear's and it was a popular place in the 80s until an incident occurred where five children went missing and were presumably killed and now their ghosts haunt the animatronics now like i said i did like the first game in a sense it was intense its simplicity I mean my god the battery ran out so many times when I was playing it that I got frustrated and how easy it was to get killed especially during the later nights now like I've said in previous episodes I classify this as jump scare horror and because basically what it was now you did get a lot of videos coming out of Five Nights at Freddy's basically trying to uh, decrypt the lore that was behind it every detail and every nook and cranny until the other games expanded on that lore and from my understanding the creator of five nights at freddy's also had a hand in making this movie so i was super happy about that it's always good when a creator is able to work on an adaptation especially when it comes to a movie trying to get other people involved in the lore now that's it for my background of five nights at freddy's we're gonna go ahead and jump into the movie Now, from what the movie has shown us, it takes place in either the late 90s or early 2000s, which is good because it keeps tech to a minimum and it makes sense for the setting to make it more believable. Because nowadays, it's kind of hard to do like the type of horror movie you want to because tech has made it so easy to let people know, hey, we're in trouble or this and that. Think about it. Stuff like Halloween back in the 70s wouldn't work in today's world because you'd be able to, I don't know, call someone on your cell phone and get people there faster. I mean, look at Home Alone. That won't be able to be done today because of the fact we have cell phones. But again, I did like seeing some of the old tech being used. It gave me a real nostalgia blast, especially a VCR. I was like, oh my God, it's been a while since I've seen a VCR. Now, one thing that was very interesting is the fact that the main character actually used a tape recorder to listen to stuff i mean even in the early 2000s and late 90s that was kind of pushing it for technology i mean people had already moved on to cd-rom so that was kind of interesting for them to keep using it so like i said i'm not sure about the decade per se but it's around the late 90s and early 2000s Now, the movie has a main character whose name is Mike Smith, who is someone who is fighting their own demons after being left responsible to take care of his sister. And I did like how his demons were kind of intertwined with the plot of the movie, especially when he was a kid and his kid brother Garrett was kidnapped and never seen again. So, Mike has this belief in dream theory that he can go back in his dreams to that memory and try to obtain any type of detail that he can from his dreams. Now, the character is sort of likable. He does make some extremely stupid decisions throughout the movie i mean oh my god i wanted to bang my head against the wall when it came to how many jobs he lost i mean in the beginning scene you see him literally attacking and punching someone just because he thought that someone's going to be kidnapped i mean he just went for it he didn't ask any questions that man just started punching i mean how he was left to take care of his sister yeesh, i don't even know i mean social services would have already taken the sister away from him him but again early uh, early 2000s late 90s but I understand character has to have some type of trauma but I just thought that was going a little overboard but one thing I did find hilarious is how many times he kept getting jobs with his issues now one thing also that made me angry with the decisions he's made was basically being told not to sleep at Freddy's and doing it anyway especially when he brings his sister into his workplace I mean I really got angry when he agreed to basically sell his sister for a dream world. And I get that he redeemed himself in the end by stopping Afton and getting his sister and Vanessa out, but honestly, it just I he was just unlikable for me throughout the movie. I will say that my favorite scene with him besides of course him getting scared by the balloon boy was in the beginning with, I guess, the meeting with uh, a social worker, he his aunt was crying crocodile tears, and he and the social worker just looked at each other like, You really think we believe this? That was actually kind of funny. But, like I said, I mean, for a main character, he's okay. He could have been made a lot more likable and a lot more relatable instead of just, dude, just started punching everything. That never ends well. And not to mention, him and his sister really didn't have any chemistry. And I don't know if that's because the actor and the actress really didn't hang out with each other, but that kind of took away from the whole brother sisterly love thing. And now to talk about his sister. Abby. Now, I'm not really a fan of child actors or actresses because they usually can't act, but I'm not gonna lie, the actress was pretty decent. It was interesting that she was already in contact with the ghost children for a while. And here's the funny part too, it's never explained how or why. And of course, the pictures being pivotal to the plot was very predictable. I mean, they basically hinted at it, hey! Pay attention to the pictures, and not to mention it kind of dragged when the brother found out, and became a plot point, and eh. One thing that was weird is she went from not talking at all to talking all the time, especially when it came to the brother working at Freddy's. It was interesting that she basically gained a relationship with the ghosts, especially when it came to playing with them. But again, it's not explained how the ghosts found her because she was being quiet for quite a while. I think they even said months. So the fact that these ghost children that she had a friendship with didn't tell her, hey, you should come to Freddy's at all was very strange. But I mean, I guess a plot has to plot. Something that I really didn't expect was that I thought that they were going to hunt, and I'm talking about the animatronics, hunt her down throughout some of the movie. But then they played and continued to play with her, of course, until they kidnapped her. But honestly, that was kind of wholesome, I'm not going to lie. Her playing with the animatronics, basically building a fort with them, I actually did find that kind of heartwarming and unexpected. Which is good because honestly a lot of horror movies are becoming more and more predictable. I will say when it came to the end with Afton getting the animatronics to kidnap her and put her in an animatronic to turn her into one of them was kind of eh. I was like okay now we're getting somewhere. But I will say this when it came to Abby drawing a picture to change Afton's influence that I thought was extremely weak. I was like really? All it took for her to do something, or for the Fazbear crew to change loyalties, was a picture? I I, I just thought that was weak. But again, it's a, it's a horror movie meant for kids, so I guess they gotta have her do something. I will say, though, throughout the movie, she does show some intelligence. Except when she's literally passing her aunt's dead body... They were like, oh, she's asleep. I'm like, no, she's not asleep. She's literally laying on the floor. You're really not gonna put two and two together. But I mean, I guess she's a kid, so being too trusting is in the cards, but I they they showed her so many times being so much smarter than her brother, so I guess for my opinion, it was just the plot dumbing her down for the finale. Now, speaking of the aunt, I gotta say she had one of the funniest and goofiest scenes in the movie. And that was basically the diner scene when she was basically telling uh, the babysitter and her boyfriend, hey, we need to take care of Mike. And that was funny, especially with the lawyer being there. And he was like, wait a minute, I shouldn't be here hearing this. I need to leave. And she basically stopping him. That was funny. And when the boyfriend... Talked about killing Mike and he was trying to escape even harder, and she prevented him. That was funny. That was entertaining. I was like, oh my God, this lawyer must suck if he's basically brain dead and not realizing, hey, this is illegal. I shouldn't be hearing any of this. That was actually kind of funny. And during the diner scene, You did have a fun little cameo from, oh, I forgot his full name, but like Matt Snikes or something like that. A YouTuber who did a lot of Five Nights at Freddy's conspiracy theories, which was actually kind of fun. Honestly, the aunt, you know what the aunt reminded me of? She reminded me of some goofy Disney Channel villain. And honestly, her death were kind of hilarious. It was like, hey, this person is somewhat important. Maybe she'll be, oh, no, she's dead. (laughs) Killed off-screen, too. I mean, it would have been cool to do some type of shadow thing like they did before when the babysitter basically got cut in half. Give us something. But anyway, she was funny. But you know who wasn't funny and frustrated the heck out of me? Vanessa. Oh my god, I wanted to smack her upside the head. I really hate in horror movies, or movies in general, when a character who wants to help you holds off on vital information that could have benefited the main character and basically doesn't say anything. This character was the epiphany of this. And I get it, she was the daughter of Afton and basically was in charge of making sure the security guards didn't get too nosy before being killed but the fact that she wasn't even psycho was even more infuriating. I was like, why didn't you tell Mike about any of this? And she was like, oh yeah, I tried to warn you in my own way. I was like, no, 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 no. Warning him would have said something. You're a police officer, you're a cop. You're telling me you couldn't call for backup? Especially when she said she knew where the freaking bodies were buried. Tell them, hey, I have a lead. Go to Fazbear's. I know where some bodies are buried. Call for backup. I mean, she's a cop. You're going to tell me that they wouldn't have dispatched a couple of police officers there? I mean, they could have done something. Anything. But again, it uh, just she just frustrated the heck out of me. Like I said, I get it. She was under her father's influence and all that stuff. But the fact that she went out of her way to help Mike and do a bunch of stuff, she could have done things a lot better. I just oh my god I hope they write her better for the sequel because if she's pulling the same stupid stunts in the sequel I'm just I'm gonna be angry I'm gonna be mad like I said I hate these types of characters because it's they they, they just want the plot to happen they're like oh yeah I know this tidbit of information that would have been useful like 30 40 minutes into the movie but Again, characters got a character. But I will say, one of the most entertaining characters, and I get it, you saw the twist happening from a mile away, was William Afton and Matthew Lillard being revealed as the villain of the movie. Again, was predictable. You have Matthew Lillard. That's like getting Andy Garcia in the fourth Expendables movie, and having him playing the villain all the time, like, oh my God, he's the villain? Why am I not surprised? Because he's played one in the past. Now, what would have been interesting is if Matthew Lillard wasn't the villain, and they ended up getting another actor to pop up at the end. That would have been interesting, but I I get it. They needed to do stuff and connect the plots, but for someone I knew who was going to be the villain, he was very entertaining. Matthew Lillard was just... Amazing to see acting out, being this crazy homicidal owner of Freddy Fazbear's, especially when it came to talking to Freddy, Chica, and the rest of the crew. That was entertaining, and it just shows just how much of an underrated actor Matthew Lillard is. And his death was kind of gruesome. Being in his suit and having those, uh, I guess, joints or strings basically crush him to death from his ribs, his bodies, and everything. And him putting on his helmet to basically, I guess, evolve into the golden bummy. That was pretty cool. I'll give credit when credit is due. And I did kind of like how they hinted, hey... My body may die, but my spirit will move on and haunt you or whatever. Because you guys gotta remember something. Matthew Lillard signed on for a three movie deal. And from what my cousin has told me, because I had to ask him about a couple of things, he told me that this guy shows up in the second game and is basically like a ghost like similar to freddy fazbear and he's controlling the golden bunny or yellow bunny so my guess is when he pops back he's gonna be a ghost same as freddy fazbear and the rest of the crew and basically command them or do something because if he's gonna stay the villain the other people are gonna have to be involved somewhere And, speaking of Freddy and the crew, I'm going to be talking about the animatronics in the movie. Now, Freddy and Chica and the other animatronics were impressive, I'm not going to lie. I like that they opted for actual animatronics and suits instead of CGI, for the most part. Well, of course, except for the cupcake, that one they had to do CGI. But, I will say it did make the movie look a lot better, and will hold up better in years. I can't tell you how many... Horror movies from the past use so much CGI, which looks good for back then, but it doesn't hold up like three, four years later because CGI evolves. So it's not going to look the same. So them using actual animatronics does make the fact that if someone 10 years from now watches uh, 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 Freddy, why am I struggling? Five Nights at Freddy's. Thank you. They're going to like it because, hey, it actually looks realistic because they're actually using practical effects. Now, I will say one thing that kind of frustrated me was the fact that their powers weren't expanded upon, especially when they went from being in the animatronics to being ghosts. That wasn't really explained. I guess that they were able to control the animatronics no matter where they were, especially when it came to defeating Afton and his animatronic basically crushing him from the inside out. I guess they were able to do that because they're ghosts. I guess that would be some type of explanation. But honestly, again, it kind of frustrated me because they were basically able to contact Abby, talk to her, hang out with her in her own house. For months, and it, that's not explained how. One thing that also kind of caught me off guard was basically how they were able to pull a Freddy Krueger and hurt Mike in his own dream. That was the other thing, too. I was like, wait a minute. They can kill people in their own dreams? When they were able to have this ability? Heck, why didn't they use this ability more and more? They could have taken out every single character if they would just kill them in their dreams. I mean, they already showed it was possible. It's not like they basically were hurting him in the non-Dream World and just leaving him them in the Dream World. That wasn't the case. Heck, they even promised to basically put him in a Dream World to hang out with his family. So clearly there's other powers at work that they haven't even shown us. So again, I did kind of find it interesting that they had Freddy Krueger type powers, which should make them a lot more overpowered than it did. But I am very curious to see how the sequel, because this movie is already doing good, is going to take the plot. Because as you saw at the ending of Five Nights at Freddy's, the building got wrecked. And I guess they might try, someone may come in, buy the building, and basically revamp Freddy Fazbear's. They might do that. But who knows? I'm very curious to see what they'll do, or they'll maybe show them exploring the world and seeing what they're gonna do with their newfound freedom. Honestly, whatever they do, I hope the creator comes back for it because, again, it's really nice when uh, movie creators go and talk to the original people who made the game and is able to give their two cents. Now, I will say one of my favorite characters in this entire movie had to be the taxi driver. (laughs) His scenes were funny. And even there, even though he was there for a few seconds, one of my favorite scenes was the post-credit when the freaking Balloon Boy statue went next to him and he just looked down and started screaming. That was funny. Heck, I liked that running joke even more because that thing kept popping up and you're like, oh my God, what the heck is this thing doing? Is he part of the plot? No idea. Is he controlled by a ghost? I guess so, considering the end, but I got no idea who's controlling him. Maybe it's William Afton, which actually wouldn't make sense considering he was alive. But again, I have no idea. But throughout all that... I will say that this movie overall with its plot and everything was okay. I did like how it didn't take itself too seriously and it had some charm and leaned in with the goofy stuff because you guys got to remember they made this movie PG-13. They wanted this to be likable for kids to be able to go see it because they know their target audience. Kids and teens and other people who grew up with Freddy's basically took their own children or even brought their kids or cousins and family members to see this movie because honestly there's nothing too gruesome about it so it's a good family horror movie for them to see i'll say this it could have benefited from a higher rating maybe even rated r with some of the stuff they could get away with like i said when the babysitter was cut in half i would have loved to see that actually happen instead of seeing it through a shadow they could have benefited from rated r having it be a little more gory but i get it they wanted to have a target audience and they stuck with it And not to mention, if you haven't played the game, the game is basically made for all ages, maybe T at the most, but it's never been rated M for Mature. They could probably do that, but they'd be taking away a huge target audience that the game has garnered. I will say that I did hate that some plot points were never resolved, again, like Abby being contacted by the ghost children for an uncertain amount of time, or how that was even possible, but I guess they'll explain it in the sequel. Overall, I'll give this movie a 6 out of 10. It was better than I was expecting, but it could have been a lot more. And that's it for my movie review. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's one of my first ones. The very first one, if you really want to hear it, was a few years back when I talked about Doctor Strange and the multiverse of madness. I actually broke down what each universe meant and how the incursions are very important. So if you want to hear that, just scroll all the way back to my early episodes. It's called Dr. Strange Movie Review and listen to it. It's very important, especially when it comes to what's happening in Loki and all that stuff. But that's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoy. You guys have a happy Halloween and stay safe trick-or-treating. Sayonara. See you later. And have a good one. Goodbye.